Oh, what a great daughter you are, eh? Great kids. Awesome. Well, running the race. Isn't it great, the Olympic theme, eh? Running the race. Well, I want to tell you a quick little story. There was a man who was running in the hot desert. It was just so hot, he was just about melting. And he came across a house, so he knocks on the door, and the door opens, and here's this missionary there. And he says, can you help me, please? I'm melting in this hot desert. And the missionary says, you can have my horse. But he says, this is a Christian horse. And he says, so I just want to tell you that when you want it to go, you have to say, thank you, God. So to make it go, you say, thank you, God. To make it stop, you say, amen. Have you got that? And the, the runner says, yes, I've got that. So he gets on the horse and he says, thank you, God. And the horse starts. And he went, wow, this is great. And he says, thank you, God. And the horse goes a bit faster. And he goes, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. And the horse is galloping wow, this is so cool. And he comes, and just to his horror, he sees a cliff coming up in front. And he went, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. And he went, oh, stop, stop. And the horse keeps going. And then he says, what did the missionary tell me? Amen. He yelled, oh, the horse stopped straight away. <gasps> Within inches of the cliff. And the man goes, that was close. Thank you, God. Oh, love it. Well, I want to share a little story about a man. This is running the race and it's refuel. Do you know there is, in Melbourne, from Sydney to Melbourne, there is a grueling 543.7 mile endurance race. In Australia, it's the world's longest and toughest ultramarathon. And in 1983, 150 world-class runners met at Sydney to register for this race. And on the same day, a rough, toothless, 61-year-old potato farmer and sheep herder named Cliff Young approached the registration table. He was wearing overalls, galoshes over his work boots. And people thought he can't be going to register for the race. Definitely not. Because beside him, there was all these lean, mean machines also registering, and they're looking weird, random person at this guy. Cliff Young, unbeknown to them, had grown up on a farm without the benefit of luxuries of horses and four-wheel drives. And when the storms rolled in, Cliff headed out to round up 2,000 sheep over a 2,000-acre farm. Sometimes he had to run for two or three days to complete this whole trip. And the staff couldn't believe it when Cliff Young came up and asked for a registered himself. They gave him a number, 64. And as he mingled with the other runners... They just laughed because they thought it was hilarious. He'll never, ever make it, they thought. When the gun went off, the people, bystanders laughed at Cliff. He was there with, left behind with his galoshes, his overalls, and his work boots as the other runners just went past him. 
As the snickers gave way to laughter when Cliff began to run, not like other runners, but a little odd shuffle. All of Australia was watching this on TV. Someone should stop that crazy guy, they reckoned. Do you know the race was five days, 15 hours, and four minutes later? Do you know who came over the finish line? Cliff Young came shuffling across the finish line in Melbourne winning the ultramarathon. He didn't win by a few seconds or even a few minutes. He was the nearest, run the nearest runner behind him was nine hours and 56 minutes behind. Australians were stunned at this amazing achievement. They said it's impossible victory, but you know what it was? Every mar everyone knew that to run the ultramarathon, runners would run for 18 hours and then stop for sleep for six hours. This routine was repeated for five punishing days, but no one told Cliff Young because he just shuffled along day and night, night and day without stopping to sleep because he'd done it so much in the outbacks. And he broke the previous race record by nine hours and became a national hero. Isn't that amazing? Uh, to me, I was like, wow, that is so amazing. So, you know, as I was um, writing a message yesterday about this, I got to bed last night and you just feel in your spirit that it's not quite right. And I said to God, it's rubbish about my message, I just thought, nah, it's really rubbish. I just don't feel it's what you want to get across today. And God said to me this. He said, this is a race of grace. Okay, so that's my title is a race of grace. Because this race is like no other race. You see, when you have a marathon or when you have a race to run, the runners are just high achievers. I mean, they leave me for dead, really, don't they? And they've been p practicing and trying and just going hard, getting ready for the race. But this race of grace is a different one because we as humans think that this is the starting line and somewhere down there is the finish line and I'll get there someday with a lot of effort and hard work. But Jesus says, no, that's not my, how my kingdom works. That's not how my race is. You start at the finish line because I have set you up to win. So God brings the finish line to the start because this is a race that Jesus has won at the cross. And I want to tell you that we just need to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And like an athlete, God wants you to refuel Put on your work boots. Put on your gloshes like Cliff Young because this is a race that is for every kind of person. No matter your background, no matter where you've come from, no matter what nation you belong to, creed nation, this is a race for you. And you just receive Jesus to enter this race. And God says you are a winner because this is a race of grace. And the NIV says in 2 Peter 1 verse 3, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. 
He's given us everything we need. You know, God looks at us as winners. Jesus won the greatest marathon ever at the cross. And I don't know if, like you, when you have children and you go on holiday, we have, when we're doing a big long trip, it's very entertaining with children. They just speak their mind. And you know, um, Paul and I, I know it probably is a bit, uh, but Paul and I enjoy watching the air crash investigation. I'm just amazed by how they, yeah, it's quite an interesting, I watch, we watch it a lot. And so we get on, on the plane one day and my little nine-year-old, or she was eight then, but she's very entertaining and she's not just entertaining for Paul and I, but everyone else who's in the close proximity, which is probably half the plane, because she speaks loud. And she gets on the plane, she sits down and says, are we going to die, mummy? Do you think this plane might crash, mummy? And I said, no, because God watches over us. And then we get on a Virgin Atlantic flight to fly, and she looks at the seat in front, she went, oh, they've got no TVs. I'm going to die. No movies. I've, oh, how boring. You know, and I can hear all these other people. She's just bored out of brains. And I'm thinking, Lord, I don't want my daughter to die on this flight. You've got to supply a need. And so right down at the front, the air hostess announces, if there is anyone who purchased a special upgrade ticket, you are, have the very special privilege of receiving a free complimentary iPad to watch movies. Well, I'm Scottish, and you know what that means? I go for the cheapest deal. So I'm thinking, great, that may not be us. But this air hostess walks right down from the front to the back where we're sitting, and she says, Mrs. Whitehead, this is for you. And I'm like, thank you, Lord. That is just the favor and blessing of God. And as we're coming in to land at the Gold Coast, you know, she's so entertaining. She's looking out the window at, at, at the sea and everything, and there's this pipe. And she goes, ugh, there's brown stuff coming out that pipe. Mom, is that where the Aussies do all the, send out the wheeze and the poos? I mean, everybody in the plane, like, I'm telling you, can hear this. And I'm saying, yes, darling, that is because they can't beat us at rugby, so they send it over the Tasman to us. <laughs> really? Really? No. She's so entertaining. But I can tell you that before in this race of life that you are in, God knows what you have need of before you even ask for it. God knew that I was going to book a flight with the cheapest price and there wasn't going to be movies on there, but he had it covered. God has your race covered. He knows exactly what you need. So number one, I'm going to keep on time, Paul, so don't worry. Number one, keep your eye on the coach. We have a great coach, Jesus. And Hebrews 12 verse 2 says this, and I like the New Living Translation. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion, 
who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. You are a champion because Jesus was a champion and is a champion. Isn't that amazing? In this race of life, you keep your eyes on Jesus because he will carry you through your race. And I want to—I uh, was just reading this in First um, Samuel. We have the story of Daniel, David, and Goliath, and you probably all know this story. But I had actually never noticed this before, because this is what the devil does. He was David, and, and the whole army of Israel were really scared because. Goliath was this huge giant. He was humongous. And he'd come out and try and intimidate the people of God, the children of Israel. And it reminds me of the devil. But do you know one thing that I, I never noticed before? It says that he did. It says this. I'll just turn the page so I get it right. For 40 days, the Philistine, the giant, came forward. He came forward every morning and evening. I thought that was really interesting that he did that, and I'd never noticed that before. Do you know that the devil wants to get, the moment you wake up, he wants to bring negative thoughts to you. The moment you go to sleep, he wants to give you negative thoughts, and that's what the devil does, and the Goliath came morning and evening. He was there to intimidate and put fear into the people of God, but I can tell you that Jesus is your coach by keeping your eyes on him. So keep your eye on the coach. And number two, read the coach's manual. Read the instruction booklet, the guidebook. That's this. All right, this is amazing. That will keep you on this refueling in life on your race. Second Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is given by the inspiration of God. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction and in righteousness. The Bible is the world's number one bestseller. The Bible is God's key to transforming lives and building his church. It was written by over 44 different authors, which included kings, poets, prophets, soldiers, Shepherds, doctors, pastors. What an incredible book, and it's his word. It is the book that reveals the mind of God, the state of man, the way of salvation, the outcome for sinners, the happiness of believers. Its doctrines are holy. If you want to be wise, read it. Believe in God's word. It's to keep you safe. The Bible contains light to direct you, food to support you, and comfort to cheer you. It is the traveler's map. The pilgrim's staff, it's the pilot's compass, the soldier's sword, and the Christian's chatter. And in it, heaven is opened. The gates of hell are disclosed. Christ Jesus is its grand subject. Our good is its end, and Jesus is revealed. And you need to read it. Evening and morning, get his word into you. Meditate on it day and night. And I want to tell you, you are on the winning team. Refuel. Read the word. Awesome. Hey, that's a great word right there. Come on. How on earth can we add to that? I don't know. That was a good preach right there. I just love that. The race of grace. Uh, starting at the finish line. That is pretty cool. Don't look at me like that. That's pretty good. You know, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He that comes to me or believes in me shall never 
he that comes to me shall never hunger. He that believes in me shall never thirst. Ruth's encouraging us to keep our eyes on the Lord. It's so important. I don't know if you've ever been in a vehicle when it's run out of fuel. I have. In fact, some people do it quite regularly. I know uh, in the good old days, um, in, the, in the bad old days, I mean, I mean, we used to learn to even go on the other side of the road and the fuel would go over to the other side of the tank and you can get a bit further, especially going up a hill. Hey, who's done that? Come on. Come on. Be honest here now. Come on, George. Go, George. Right, refuel. You know, and when it's running out of fuel, it sort of starts spluttering and it slows down. How, how many of you feel that you, sometimes you get to that stage in life and it feels like you're running out of fuel? Yeah? Come on. A lot of honest people here today. Yeah. Praise God. Last week, we, we talked about, when we began our series, um, we talked about light, light, light up. Receive the light of the world. When you start the race, you need Jesus. You need to keep your eyes on Jesus. Then we talked about lightening up. Today we need to refuel. Sometimes uh, things come into our, our lives. We've been hearing about our great Goliath. He's not that great at all. He was brought down by a single stone. How many know that Jesus is the rock? He's a little stone. Straight into the forehead of the enemy. He's defeated our foes. But he likes to intimidate and he comes out. And it's just like the trials of life. It's like sometimes when we run out of steam, we get our eyes off the Lord and we get taken up with the busyness of life. And it's like the brokenness that comes into our lives and we need to refuel. Or it's like failure. And it's like even, it could be addiction and it could end up in depression. And you, you could be there this morning and you need to refuel this morning. Yeah? Yeah. Let's have a look at Ezekiel chapter 37. Ezekiel chapter 37. Sometimes we feel like we're dried up. We come to a valley of dry bones. We're going to read all about a valley of dry bones. Sometimes when you're going through life, you get into a valley. But we don't need to stay in the valley. There is a mountaintop for you to get on. Jesus is that mountaintop. I love it. Starting the race of grace, starting at the end. He's the author and finisher of our faith. He's the beginning and the end. Keep your eyes on the Lord. You cannot blame the person sitting next to you uh, for, the, for the reason that you're in the valley of dry bones. If you've got your eyes off the Lord today, if you've never received Christ today, you cannot blame anybody else. God has a wonderful life for you to live in. It's called eternal life. It's a life of Christ. And you can start the race at the end of the race this morning. Praise God if you receive Jesus. But God gives this vision to Ezekiel the prophet. And it's quite amazing here because God, God brought him to this place where he saw this vision. Let's read it, verse 1. The Lord took hold of me, Ezekiel said, and I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. Valley. Say valley. Come on, we don't want to stay in the valley. Verse 2. He led me around among the bones that covered the valley floor. It's just about as bad as Ruth's message today, isn't it? Talking about the surge going out towards New Zealand. That's terrible. What the Aussies get up doing that. We're talking about bones now. What on earth do we want to talk about bones, dry bones in, in the sermon for this morning? But it's exciting. <laughs> Verse 2, he led me all around among the bones that covered the valley floor, and they were scattered everywhere across the ground and were completely dried out. Say completely dried out. That's exactly what it says. You know, if you... Kick the person that's responsible for most of the troubles you go through in life. You wouldn't be able to sit down for a week. Do you know that? You wouldn't be able to sit down for a week. You can't bl blame someone else. You know, 
And, and, and it's true today that people seem to be able to stand adversity in life and talking about adversity and their problems and their woes more than they can talk about prosperity. It's almost as though that prosperity is a dirty word in the church today. But it's not. God wants you to prosper. He wants you to take you from the valley and he wants you to be on the mountaintop today. Yes? Amen. Verse 3, and he asked me, son of man, can these bones become living people again? We started out dead in trespasses and sins. We received Jesus. We get our eyes on him. We're enjoying eternal life, but then we're running out of fuel. Maybe we're not feeding daily on the bread of life, not coming to the word of God, not directing our eyes to the Lord, and we're running out of fuel. So then he says, can these live again? The the question was asked, and this is Ezekiel. He's very wise. He says, oh, sovereign Lord, I replied, you alone know the answer to that. Verse 4, then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. Come on, let's say that. Listen to the word of the Lord. Yes, right. Listen to the word of the Lord. There's power in the word of God. He created galaxies in the universe through his word. You can change your circumstances by speaking the word of God over your life, over your circumstances. Come on. Praise God. He wants to prosper you. He wants to bless you. He has, he, has, he has a hope and a future for each one of us, whether we're young or old. Verse 5, and this is what the sovereign Lord says, look, I am going to put breath into you and make you live again. Wow. Verse 6, I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Wow. Verse 7, and I spoke this message just as he told me. There's obedience right there. Suddenly as I spoke, we need to speak over our circumstances, over our finances, over our family, over our marriage. What words are you speaking in your life? Is it negative words, as Ruth was saying, or is it positive words? Don't be negative. What are you speaking? Where we're up to? Verse 7, was it? Just as I told him. Suddenly as I spoke, there was a rattling noise across the valley. And it wasn't a rattlesnake, a rattling noise. Come on, say with me, a rattling noise. That's a good noise when things start to rattle. It's a good noise when we start rattling your cage a little bit because there's a shift, there's a movement happening. Come on, rattling is good. Praise God. I love getting up here and just rattling the cage a little bit. So does Ruth. <laughs> so the bones, each, the bones of each body came together. This is a pretty cool story, this you could make a movie out of this, couldn't you? Attach themselves to a, a, a complete, a, so, sorry, as complete skeletons. Whoo! It could even be just about a horror movie, isn't it? Verse 8. Then as I watched, muscles and flesh formed over the bones, then skin formed to cover their bodies, and they, uh, but they still had no breath in them. Wow. Zombies. I think Evangelist used to say to us, didn't she say, I'm scared, scared of zombies. Don't know what she's been watching. We don't watch that stuff, but you get these little programs. I don't know where. She probably got it from James. James? <laughs> Verse 9. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message. Say prophetic message. We heard that last week from Kerry. Her testimony, the testimony of Jesus 
is the spirit of prophecy, it says in Revelation. Suddenly this week, doors are opening out of work because she gave a testimony last, last week. People that aren't, don't even go to church come in and visit her at a workplace. The testimony of Jesus is a spirit of prophecy. Speak a prophetic message and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Yes, find out in the Bible what is yours and speak it over your life. I bet you it'll change your circumstances. It'll change you. It'll take you out of the valley to the mountaintop. You won't be in that valley of dry bones for long if you follow, if you get the message from this passage here. What do they speak? Come, O breath, from the four winds. Breathe into these dead bodies so they may live again. Say, live again. Come on. Wouldn't it be great if the church and religious establishments got life and they lived again? Yeah? We don't want, it to, we don't want this to be the dead center of town, do we? It's a living center. We are alive in Christ. Praise God. Amen. Verse 10. This is it. So I spoke the message as he commanded me, and breath came into their bodies. They all came to life and stood on their feet, a great army. You need to speak to your circumstances. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 22 says, A merry heart does good like a medicine. I was laughing when we had the prayer time this morning. After the prayer time, I started laughing. People were wondering, what are you laughing about, Paul? I said, I'm taking my medicine. Taking my medicine. Laughter's good. It's good to be happy. It's good to laugh. A merry heart does good like a medicine, but what does it say? A broken spirit dries the bones. Are you sitting here in your seat this morning and you've got dry bones? Maybe you're in a valley with dry bones. And all you need to do is look to the Lord. I'm not going to tell you, I'm not going to tell you what you need to do yourself. You just need faith to look to Him and see the work is done. What, were that, what did Ruth say? I wrote it down because I enjoyed it so much when she spoke. The race of grace started the finish line. Look to Jesus and see the work is complete. You can come up. If you've never received Jesus as your Savior, you can come up and talk to us afterwards. We'll gladly lead you to the Lord. Praise God. We had a young lady of 18 years old that received Jesus last week. Praise God. What a victory. Hallelujah. You can receive Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life this morning, and you can let those rattly bones come together and start to grow. Now, Josh, you should have really put a DVD together uh, with this during the week, and uh, we, if we could only just see it happening. Let's just finish with this little short clip, eh? The hand of the Lord was upon me. He brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, O sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the voice of the Lord. I will make breath into you, and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath and say to it, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied.
prophesied as he commanded and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Glory. We're just going to all stand together. Just before we sing together, before the band leads us, we're just going to bow our heads. No, we're not. We're going to lift up our heads. Why do we put our heads down to the valley? Let's lift them up to the mountaintops. Let's just speak to the dry bones as we pray. Thank you, Father. Thank you, mighty God. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ. We acknowledge your presence here this morning, living Spirit of God. We prophesy and we speak to the dry bones of depression, with the dry bones of addiction this morning. Live again, we say. We speak to the dry bones of a feeling of failure. And we speak to dry bones in marriages and families. We say, live again. This is what the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord says, live again. And we just, Father, we just say that you would just breathe over our community, over our lives, over our nation. And we just proclaim and prophesy that these bones will live again. We prophesy against the dry bones of religion. And we say, live again. We thank you, Father, that you cause us to be alive and exciting here, rejoicing in a living Saviour, not a dead Saviour this morning. We say and we prophesy together, live again in Jesus' name.